All right. Can you see me? Are you talking to me? I can. Are you talking to Facebook people? <laughs> are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Yeah, are you talking I to know. Facebook? <laughs> We're here. We're live. Okay, cool. So um, apologies. I'm just getting used to the tech here. I wanted to say welcome to those of you joining us live on the Trigger Proof Facebook community or watching the replay, or perhaps you're listening to this on Spotify, on our podcast. It is with great pleasure for me to reach out to somebody that I've worked closely with months after to see, hey, how are things going? I do that on occasion. Um, something really neat, uh, Marissa, I got to tell you, something really neat about this type of work is you get when you choose the right client and there's a really great bond and you've kind of shepherded them through some challenging moments and some healing, there's something really special that happens. So um, it's really cool. Um, it's really cool to be to be chatting with you now and then sharing your story. I thought, holy cow, like how many people could relate to what you're going through, what you had gone through, the frustration that you felt in how you showed up in relationships. Um, the conversation of relationships is in everybody's face right now with Amber Heard, Johnny Depp. Everybody's watching this, you know, and everyone's making their judgments. In reality, we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at parts of ourselves. We're looking at reflections of ourselves. And so the conversation of trauma bonds is something I hold very near and dear to my heart because of what I've gone through. And now I really enjoy um, helping people through the same down the same path that I went through to move from anxious attachment, avoidant type of uh, patterns, feeling frustrated at the same damn thing happening again and again and again, and then bring, being able to then move them to creating secure relationships, sometimes for the very first time in their 40s. Go figure, right? It's a skill we don't really learn. So I just wanted to say thank you for agreeing to come and chat with me and to share your story and just to share, um, you know, why did you first reach out to me? What was going on in your life before you chose to kind of reach out and say, hey, I'd like some help? Um, I'd been married twice. And my second marriage, I had my son. And it was as ugly a relationship and divorce as you could have. And so I felt like I was somehow managing in trying to do well, to end up with the worst that everybody cautions you about. And I just ended a five-year relationship with someone. And I just kept thinking, what am I doing wrong? It's clearly me because I'm, I'm the one. And I had this pressure. My son is 10 now. And I wanted to get all of this straight before he was like me, the nine, 10 year old of divorced parents getting it wrong. And I couldn't be that deadline either. And so I got really lucky. I met someone like on Tinder for heaven's sakes. And um, he asked interesting questions. On your, on your me... first date? Was this your first date? Or it was just. My first date. Uh, or, or on, he asked interesting questions like on text. No, I met him. I met him and we, it was like one of those moments that when I didn't think him. existed, except <clears throat> it wasn't like we were running toward each other in slow motion with music. 
I just suddenly saw this person that showed me who he was. And I wanted to be like that too. But also he was very clear at who I was. He could see you. Yeah. And it wasn't great. Right. (laughs) To me, he saw, I thought at the time was a mess. I was broken and I didn't know what I was doing and I was trying really hard. And I'm sure he saw all of that right away. Mm-hmm. And so over the next week, he gently, but persistently asked if I knew about trauma bonds and if I knew about attachment styles and if I had taken that test on attachment styles and I had um, a text, right? I went on a first date with him. He lived away. It was magical. And then things went downhill from there because that was my experience. And mm-hmm. I was an anxious avoidant. And so he said, to take that test. And I said, yes. And I was the worst. So <laughs> that was your story is that I was the worst. Yeah. Thanks anyway. I, and I was so ashamed and embarrassed. Um, and so I guess it took a couple of weeks and he said, well, you know, I've been through things. I've been working on this. And finally, one day I just said, I don't know how to do this. I'm trying and I don't know how to do this. And I need a book and a coach and a hug. And he said, I I can actually help you with all those. Um, Right. Like I have coaches and I was like, what? Because I think I thought of therapists as coaches. And so that's how I was introduced to you. I looked at like, because I needed to make my own decision. And I was like, okay, Nima's your coach. Go look at others too. So it's my decision. You don't own my decision. And then, you know, I met you and Kim and here I am. It's interesting. Yeah. What you didn't say was that he was, he was a graduate of our program. (laughs) So this, this, uh, this wonderful guy that you met, um, that was very, um, you know, able to take off his mask and, and show intimacy and really see you was an actual graduate of my program. And so he, he referred you, he said, look, you know, I think you should talk to Nima. And so we jumped on a call and what was your life like before then? Because you were having a relationship with alcohol and addictions and, you know, that kind of thing as well. You're a parent too. You have a 10, 11 year old, 10 year old son. Yep. He's 10 now. Um, as a functional alcoholic, I'm an executive at a corporation and I've spent, I had spent, see, my whole life avoiding feelings because my feelings are big. I'm empathetic and I worry about everything I see in the news and I just can't hold it. And you're a pleaser too, right? And you want to get in there and fix I'm and a take responsibility. and a fixer. And I made a career out of it because mm-hmm. I started as a project manager. And then as I climbed, I did risk management, all of the things that I tried to make my world work, I paid off. And so part of the problem I had was this idea that like, if you ask anybody successful, people go, Steve Jobs said he wished he'd spent more time with his family. Yeah, but if he had, you never would have known who he was. Right. And so the big thing for me that I think landed it, although not at first, I had a couple of meltdowns, was that what got me here is worthy of respect and Mm. love. Okay. I don't get to pretend that I didn't succeed because of it. I just have to figure out what to do next. So you'd gone through a couple of divorces, um, this relationship, functional alcoholic, stuffing down your emotions and showing up in relationships with the similar patterns where they were so big that you didn't know what to do with them. You're like 
-hmm. you know, you had emotional flashbacks that would come up that you didn't know really what to do with. And that mm -hmm. spilled into your relationships. Oh yeah. And so how would you describe your state in three or four words? Then mm -hmm. before we started terrified of everything. Um, so I was terrified and hopeless. Mm. I mean, and I've so been this person my whole life. Why would I think I would suddenly magically figure out how to be different? Yeah. Cause, cause what had you tried before to resolve this? Well, I mean, the way I thought about it was I've been this person my whole life and I've made the best of it. Yeah. You're successful. It's working for everybody, but me deep down. And so I have to figure out how to hide all the things that aren't working. It was just this like big shell game. And so I don't, I, I, I just didn't know where to go with it. I just figured it would always be this way. I would always be this broken. And mm. if I believed I was broken, then I had to find somebody willing to put up with my broken self. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, look, I don't, I'm, I, I'm just gonna, you just got to put up with it. I don't have to work on, you know, I, I got, I'm gonna, you know, just live with it and find someone who can, you know, tolerate my brokenness. Put up with it, almost. And then I spent all my time trying to prove that that ROI was worth it. Mm. So um, I just tried to make everything better because mm. then it would be worth it for you to deal with my broken ah, self. Interesting. So kind of like over-functioning, over-compensating oh to Completely. compensate for Can you give me an example? Like, can you give me an example of, cause I find that funny and entertaining and cute about you, but can you give me, cause I find you funny. Can you give me an example of how you would, how that would show up in a relationship? Well, okay. So I'm going to give you, no, I mean, I'll do a real relationship. Mm -hmm. I was the fixer provider producer person and I, if I wasn't, then why would it be worth it for you to be in a relationship with me? I'm messy. I'm like a fraternity guy who grew up, like my clothes are on the floor and I have paperwork everywhere and I drop things to do work because it's important to me. And mm -hmm. so I don't do laundry or clean up, but I should. And in exchange, oh, you have a problem. I will fix it. I right. will call the thing and do the thing and fix the <clears> thing so that you never have to be unhappy because so then, then I, can I be will lovable. be worth it. Yeah. Then I'll be lovable and worthy and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. That was the game you were playing. Hey, yeah. so, so I know we covered this before, but what made you decide to start? I mean, you the therapy and you've done, you did all your research and stuff like that. What, what made you decide to start working with me and us? Like why me over someone else? Oh. And what was it about me specifically? I really liked this man and I thought, oh, he is really different and he is not going to date me if I don't figure myself out. Isn't that terrible? That's so well, terrible. No, that's actually, true. I got to tell you in codependency, um, I just spoke with Jenny, one of, one of our graduates. And she said, you know, at first I did this because I thought it would, you know, make me a better wife to my husband and my, and a better mom to my kids. And they're going to like me more. Yeah. But, but that was the intent. She was like, look, whatever got me into the work, yeah. what I realized was kind of like what you're about to say, the, the motive for it when, especially with codependency issues in the background, 
naturally we do this for an external validation. And so you just exposed, you said, I got to do something or I'm going to lose this guy, which is what a lot of people start doing the work on. I mean, I did it for an external, I started working on that for an external reason too, only to discover that the real reason is to just feel safe with myself, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I just interrupted you. Well, Go on with no, that. No, no, you're fine. I'm sad for her, right? Like um, I did not cry. I drank to not have to cry, right? And now I'm like, oh gosh, I just cry. I'm a crier. Um, mm -hmm. I'm so sad for her. And every time I re-experience that, I think, man, the universe just loves me because I got very lucky to meet him. And he said, this makes you laugh too, but he said, I've been thinking about how like magical this is. This is after our first date, he lived away. It was a whole thing. And he said, but I figured out that the biggest risk we have is you. And I'm like, because in my mm -hmm. experience, people did not say what they meant. And they right. damn sure didn't say things that could be hurtful. So he just they were hurtful and you out. could never come back from it. But he right. just, and I was like, oh, oh I've never and been on called my out side like of that. the texting. I'm like miserable. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, he's not wrong. And I think I'm the biggest risk to this relationship too. So let's just figure that out. Um, I did, I've always done therapy. I'm a big <coughs> proponent in getting help from experts. Mm -hmm. um, and I've read all the books and I do all the things. Um, but what I knew is that they always assumed you got past the point where you could feel things and not fall apart in some way. And I didn't know how to do that. And I had this person who could say, I've been where you are and this will work for you. And I thought, well, what the hell? So it was basically like you trusted, you trusted his word and you were like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> Isn't that crazy though? Even now when I think about it, I'm like, I trusted a man I'd gone on a date with to tell me that this is what I needed to do. And like I'm saying, glad he's not a serial killer. I got very lucky, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, you I are. also think yeah. that you never know, right? It's just nice to be seen. And somebody saw me and said, you can do this mm. because I have done it. And I went through, I've been through all the books. I've been through it. And and he said, like, I will say to people who are listening, it's possible. There is hope. It's just a lot of the kind of hard work that isn't in here. It's in sitting and receiving and yeah. feeling and just going. It's like an exorcism. Yeah. I was warned it was like an exit. There was a period of time where I looked forward to meeting with you because I think at one point I told you I am non-functional. I have been crying for two days and I don't know why. And you said, that's okay. Mm. You'll find out why. And eventually I figured out the why, but mm. had I not just sat with the crying, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have learned the skill of figuring out my own why. That was my next question. Cause a lot of people say, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to my counselor or therapist, you know, they'll reach out and they'll say, well, let me see what my therapist says about this. How would you say this is different? Our container is, how would you say our container is different? So I don't know that you know this, but I check <clears> in <throat> with a therapist every month while I was in this program. Oh, I didn't know that. No, cause I wasn't going to tell you, but. Okay, cool. That's great. Um, a lot of people do. And that's great. I think it's just integration and it's a choice 
that I needed to make so that I knew my own scaffolding. But therapy tells you how to think about where you've came, where you've come from. And it will often give you a framework mm-hmm. for how to think about where you're going. Mm-hmm. But neither of those teach you how to feel. Mm. And when I say how to feel, I don't mean what to feel. I mean, how, how to sounds, feel. Sounds a lot easier than it actually is, right? It is so hard to just yeah. be sad. Especially when you've been dismissing and denying your emotions for so long. Right. And I think that societally, we have a really hard time with people being anything other than copacetic or happy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that this was true in prior generations. People died and were hurt and I don't know, lost legs, but we feel like we should not have to do that. We've ascended beyond it. And so just crying. There is a happiness fantasy. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. There's a happiness promotion of a happiness fantasy that's out there in, in psychology and Um, and it's actually causing us to invalidate our shadow. And so, you know, this is different. And so um, I'm really glad that you, uh, are, are able to distinguish that. I'm curious if your therapist every, every month when you would visit them noticed any shifts in you or gave you any feedback when you were seeing with this level of work. So she did. I've always been very good. I think at being open and honest out of my brain. I struggle to be open and honest with my body and with my feelings. And so I just told her, I don't, I would, I'm going to learn how to get coached through feeling things much like if I needed to lose weight, I might see a gym trainer. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that changes the medical situation. And I was very careful about who I'm really careful about who my therapists are. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, you do you boo. We'll figure out some boundaries. And so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to do anything detrimental to myself. But she Mm -hmm. was like, how did this all happen in a week? And I'd be like, it's been a week, man. Mm -hmm. And um, I just checked in with her monthly. So she would be like, Mm -hmm. nope, nothing you're doing is, you know, whatever, crazy. Keep going. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, because what we're doing, which is somatic based, doesn't go against no. any therapy. It actually goes deep. It, it actually makes whatever therapy you're doing much more effective, you know, yeah. if, if you're choosing to do that. That's really what somatic work is about. Um, so you want to share what happened during the time that we worked together as far as like breakthroughs, epiphany, something that you might have realized that actually changed everything for you? Well, I think there were two because I can never lock in on one. Um, I had this belief, like a core belief that I had to offer value in order to be worthy. Full stop. Mm. And that's really sad when you think about it. But there's this idea that I got from you that Um, What we're looking for is a safe container. And what I have found of a 10-year-old is that the most I can offer, the most value I can offer is actually the value in my willingness to receive, which can we cuss here, by the way, holy shit was like (laughs) 
that's probably the culmination, right? I am not a receiver. I feel indebted if I receive to life. I owe somebody. And so by offering me something, you are indebting me and I cannot do that. So you're literally unconsciously because of our unwillingness to receive pushing love away again and again and again. And I mean, I work <clears> on this, right? I will always be. Yeah, that's a work in anxious, progress. Anxious, avoidant um, pattern. Unsafe person. When I am unsafe, I will be anxious and avoidant. And I get that. Mm-hmm. But like with my son, he had a bad day. And past me would have tried really hard to fix it because that's my value. I want to be a good mom and I want to tell you what to say and how to do it. And I'll talk to your teacher. And um, I heard your voice in my head because I just said, ooh. That must have been terrible. <laughs> and he, I mean, he talked his way through it. He felt his feelings. I held his hand all in the little space of getting home from school. And at the end, he thanked me. And mm. to turn that, I am dating a, like a grown-up man who is also just a little boy inside. And mm-hmm. he was having a really rough day. And I listened. And it was like... I mean, you know, when you have a bad day, yeah, it's like Eeyore. Mm-hmm. And I just kept like, wow, that sucks. Or that must feel terrible. Or how did that feel? And it was mind blowing to him because we don't allow men. Yeah. Yeah. You create, you were able to create a different experience for a guy that he never really had before based on the work that you've done, which is what the original guy that you met (laughs) created for you, right? Interesting how now you're kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats. It sounds like you've, with the work that you've done, you've, you've shifted the dynamic within your family. You've now attracted a a, a relationship, like a secure, would you say like, it's a slow, steady, secure relationship rather than the classic kind of trauma bond that you were in before? What's your, what was your biggest win since you started working? That us. I trust myself. I, think. <clears throat> I yeah. and look, so how long has it been? Nine months ago, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, that's what everybody says. Trust yourself. But I think that in practice, like right now, see, I'm crying. And instead of saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm crying. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, I felt the thing and my body felt the thing. That's okay. Mm. You're allowing, not- you're trusting, you change your relationship with yourself and your own emotions. And has that impacted your work at all? I'm curious, you know, how, what was the, what's been the biggest win at work too? Because you do have, you know, you're a, you're an executive kind of, you have taken like an executive role in corporate, which is very masculine dominated. And so did you notice I'm any a- shifts happening? You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less it means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds anytime there's reactivity there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live 
and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. I'm work. a corporate executive in a tech company, although I work from home, clearly. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been the weird one. Like I was the one who could talk to the people or I was the one with people skills, right? From office yeah. space. Mm -hmm. But I've always led my team by coaching them and mm -hmm. trying to help them find their place of superpowers. And I hid that. Mm -hmm. um, you actually made me. <laughs> I should have been you strongly recommended that I coached I you went after a session. <laughs> I right. coached after I a session. Yeah. Got deeply uncomfortable when being given compliments. I'm that person who's like, oh, great dress. Oh, I got it for $2. Mm -hmm. Whatever. You dismiss or push away the receiving of compliments, which is very right. common in, in, in trauma. And so, what you suggested was that I go to my team. I have direct reports who are like senior directors, mm -hmm. and I ask them what they love about working for me. And the snark in me, because this is what we do, is I was like, oh my God, it would be hilarious if they were silent. <laughs> um, but because Misery Loves Company, and I warned them, we all did it because we're all this kind of person. We're fixers and problem solvers who shirk any sort of credit. And so we did it. Each one of us took a turn of being silent while the other six of us talked about what was great about us. Um, and so that was the start, actually. We've been through, I'm in healthcare, a lot of volatility with COVID. And so my team meetings there for like all the people that work in my organization have become much less about what we've done and what our bullets are and what our goals are, because we that's just the thing we do. And more about being human and leaving space for grief and other people's grief and processing and transitions. And we just talked about Sounds like the whole culture of the organization has now shifted because of who you've become. Um, I think it was always there, but I am not hiding it anymore, which is probably my theme, right? You just pushed, you just notice how you just push. <laughs> you just did it again. <laughs> nice one. You're like, no, no, it was always there. <laughs> so, no, no. No, no, no. Just say, no, fucking, no. Fucking right. Yes, it. Yeah, fucking right. I did. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I take it. <laughs> I receive hope that. that it is true that people mm -hmm. that work in my organization, and we have hourly people all the way up to senior directors, mm -hmm. feel like not only do they get to be themselves, I expect it of them. And that means if you have to choose between being human and some corporate crap, mm -hmm. go be human. But that also means we talk in our month, we, we have weekly staff meetings about mm -hmm. receiving mm -hmm. as, as a gift that you give other people. So you're teaching my shit to other people and you copyright infringement, excuse me, what? No, I'm just kidding. I'm in the US. I think there's like a- <laughs> We're good, we're good, we we're good. <laughs> please, please. Please enjoy, enjoy. So what's been, you know, what's been going on now? You know, what's, what's been going on in your life now? Uh, how do you feel now? Uh, so, so the, looking the back. Man, I would be wondering, right? The man that I met, we didn't like run off together. Um, mm -hmm. It turns out real life, beautiful stories don't end that way. Mm -hmm. Um geography still matters. Mm -hmm. He's there. I'm here. Our vision. Your relationship started. evolved. It did. It evolved. You guys are now good friends. And now yeah. what's going on? Uh, I started dating again in January. 
I was a little bit terrified, right? Because I got really lucky and I met this one guy and I thought, there's just this one guy in the world. There's no, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. <laughs> and I am not going to train them. Oh, you mm. locked up. Right. I was like, I'm not going to train them. I'm not going to bring them all to NEMA parties. <laughs> um, that's that person. Like he's your Tinder outreach person. Um, <laughs> so I You're just dating. read um, this inner child that turns out to be just who I am mm-hmm. is very smart and very experienced. And she is not wrong. I just didn't know all along how disrespectful and dismissive I was being. And so it towards out, yourself, towards yourself. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I should be clear. Yeah. My inner child is me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just listened to her a lot. And so I dated a couple of men who were really nice and they did not mind whatever I am. I mm-hmm. no longer say were, that. I, yeah. You took off, you take, you, you start dating and you've now taken off the mask and shown as your authentic self, kind of like the person who you met, who introduced you to the work. And I keep trying, right? Because there are levels, mm-hmm. but um, I got better at choosing what works for me, not mm-hmm. just what I can offer to somebody else. And mm-hmm. I, it's a daily practice mm-hmm. that my existence is enough. Mm-hmm. So totally. one of the things that I took from your program that is specific to you is when you do a daily journaling practice, it's not just what am I grateful for? Because it was the same list. And then I would start to like, oh God, I forgot somebody. So now the world's going to end. Um, you advise that I track evidence of my dreams manifesting. And so look, I do it every day. Mm. And the title every day is evidence of my dreams manifesting. Good exercise for you if you're listening. For you to every do day. And it's different than journaling. So it's not mm-hmm. my thoughts because my I learned this from you. My thoughts lie mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And my feelings are truth, but I often don't know how to interpret them. Mm-hmm. And so if I just look for evidence, like um, here's one, I went on a date and I was mostly me. So when he said, you look uncomfortable, I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable right now. <laughs> well, awkward. It's just the way it is. Never met you before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, are, are you uncomfortable? And he said, yeah, I kind of am. And Boom. That's a completely different way that, no, I'm good. I'm That's great. a different way of relating than you did before. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're now kind of building a secure relationship now. I'm trying not to be like, maybe, yes. Yeah. So, um, and early on, we were just talking about this. A thing came up that was not a happy thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, things feel really unfinished and weird. That's it. I just got a text that said that. And I could recognize that as not a thing I had to fix. It was an opening. And I said, I agree. Wow. So that, so the, the old reaction uh, would have taken, you know, you would have gotten flooded and you would have kind of reacted to that. And this time you, you, you were able to change the familiar dance to, you know, using kind of like a conflict or a misattunement, what we call in somatic work into an opportunity and you're, you're, you're repairing and you're, and you're, that's, which is, which is what building a secure relationship really is about. Well, 
oh, and I'd been practicing that skill with myself. So mm-hmm. just like I would ask myself, tell me more. Why mm-hmm. do you feel like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I said to him, tell me more. What does mm-hmm. unfinished mean? Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of like, I don't know moments. So mm-hmm. I would say, I feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. This is not a thing I say. It yeah. is now. And he said, okay. Welcome so to intimacy. <laughs> Welcome to intimacy. And it, it allowed me to see someone, to see the signs of someone that is a grown ass man showing up as a mature man, <clears throat> yes. acknowledging my maturity and capability, even though I'm not always perfect. And so when right. I'm not perfect, I called him a crazy name because he said something and I reacted and we both stared at each other. And then I was like, I'm, I don't know where that came from. And he said, okay. should we talk about where that came from? (laughs) And then we talked about where that came from. Sounds like you're having more of a mature relationship than you, that you're building maturity in relationship. And that's really what I want to share is that building secure relationships is all about the capacity to repair. It doesn't mean lack of conflict. That's the fantasy out there is I'm going to do my trauma healing work. And then when I get back on the dating scene, um, it's going to be perfect. It'll because be perfect. It, it'll be perfect because it's just going to be a representation of all the amazing healing work that I've done on myself. And I'm not going to have any problems. And that's, the I fantasy. won't be triggered. Yeah. That's the fantasy. It is the work really begins again. <laughs> the work really begins once you start dating and navigating all of these old stories and rupturing, misattuning, and then repairing. And it sounds like you're, you're well on your way with that. So <clears throat> Marisa, how do you feel now in three or four words um, to describe kind of like the journey? Like, how do you feel now about it all? Well, my, my identity has shifted. And like I said, the me before would be like, come on, but change, change in humans often requires an identity shift. And so before I was a person with the fucked up relationship history who sucked at it. Mm. And now I think, oh, I'm good at relationships. Um, Interesting. With my son, with my, now I'm a work in progress. Of course. But I have the skills to Mm. sit with whatever's coming up and then listen. Confidence. To whatever it tells me to do. Sounds like what you're saying is that you feel confident about your skills in a relationship now, which is work in progress and there's no finish line, but you have confidence now, which you didn't have before. Which is where the anxiety and avoidance came from. Bingo. Because if I don't have the skills to repair, then Mm -hmm. I'm going to be really freaked out that something's going to go wrong and run around trying to prevent it. And then when it goes wrong, I'm going to be like, it's ruined. I'm out. Totally. Totally. So. My last question is, what would you say to somebody who's kind of watching and can relate to what you're going through and they're just kind of hesitant, not sure about working with us, they're considering it. Um, What would you say to them and who would benefit most from our work? I would say, stop considering and listen to yourself because you know deep down that what you tried didn't work and that you can't believe that there is a world in which there is no hope. So just stop and sounds so funny, but 
you know, you already know it's, you know, when it's terrifying or, you know, when it's worthless or, you know, whatever it is that is true for how you feel when, you know, you know, and I knew I just did all the things that I had learned to avoid listening to myself. So you just, you know, just do that. Marisa, thank you so much for your courage, the work that you've done. Um, I just look at your whole kind of ecosystem around you from your home, your parenting, uh, your work, your workplace and the people that you lead and your company at the company that you work for. And now, you know, the kind of secure relationship that you're building as, which is a work in progress. And it always is mine too, with my wife, it's, it's never a finish line. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and, and being so vulnerable and imagine, I just want you to imagine the first day that we met and how blocked you were. Imagine that person seeing you having this conversation publicly right now. Could you believe like, (laughs) like, could you believe it? (laughs) The first time I talked to you, um, the guy I was dating asked how it went. We went a 45 minute drive. And every time I tried to speak, I was overcome with tears and I could not speak. So yeah, yeah. people get here. It's, it's really great. Yeah. You've, you know, you were talking when you met him and you were like, wow, he, he's showing me his insides. I want to learn how to do that. So I just want to tell you, look at you now, you showed a bunch of strangers on the internet, your insides. (laughs) So Big win, fist bump, sister. Boom. Sending you so much love and appreciation. And anybody who can relate to Marisa's story and is ready to actually go deeper than just the cognitive, send me a DM. Let me know what you got out of this and what you'd love to create. And we'll see you all at the next perfect time. And if you want, I can mm-hmm. answer questions too. Yeah. It's, it's such a big deal, y'all. Just... <laughs> Just do it. (laughs) Thank you. Take care.